Welcome back to From the Backseat Football Podcast. We are back with another episode of High Intensity and Skullduggery. Arsenal choke, lose to City, it's all over. Jurgen Klopp loses his call, Tottenham lose because they're Tottenham. And there's a whole host of other amazing games that I haven't referenced in this intro. As always, I'm with Jack. Jack, how are you today? Oh, good, mate. I'm a bit sore after yesterday. (laughs) My, My cricket debut... My body hurts in places I didn't know I had muscles. I do now. <laughs> so just to contextualise that, I finally convinced Jack to join me for an inaugural cricket session ahead of the cricket season here in the UK. And, and after how did it go, Hugh? It went pretty well. It was pretty good. I let him bowl me out because, you know, I wanted him to come back. <laughs> yeah, you look like you let me. <laughs> <laughs> Which, um, if anyone actually saw how Jack bowls, you'll be surprised that he could even put it on the line to be honest with you on the wicket so yeah impressive yeah. stuff but you impressed makes it so special he was he was a steady, I enjoyed it. steady batsman so we'll see him again next week steady eddie mate in at number seven just a first game of the season sunday mate so you better get that practice in bloody hell yeah mate we go if we move we're playing in fulham if anyone's interested west there you go near brentford the backseat boys are playing cricket in fulham next weekend apparently do you want to see some absolutely diabolical cricket? Come on down. Only for Jack, not from us, because I'm actually pretty good, but whatever. <laughs> she's, she's susceptible to get bowled out by some pretty bad players. I'll let it happen. But anyway, moving on. Liverpool 4, Tottenham 3. What a game. What drama. What a Tottenham, Tottenham end to this game. I mean, I don't know where to begin. 3-0 up. Tottenham fans are fearing the worst. Many Tottenham fans have left after 15 minutes. Who can blame them? after the PTSD they suffered at Newcastle in the previous week. But it wasn't the same script by any means. Tottenham were always in this game, even though when they were 3-0 down, which doesn't make any sense, but there you go. And what I noticed about Tottenham in this one is that for some reason they love to put everyone behind the ball, only to concede a multitude of goals before they start playing actual football, when where they start dominating games. So it's a very strange, strange paradox, but we've seen this happen under Conte, Stiolini, and now Mason. So is it the manager? I don't know, mate, but it's just, yeah, it just highlights how deficient both of these teams actually are at football. Tottenham are basically doing that normal, play one good half, wait till we're behind and then we'll start playing. But they condensed it into like 15 minutes. So they actually gave themselves more time than usual to, to mount a comeback. And then Liverpool just showed how vulnerable and how terrible they are defensively. Mm. And how much they love to crumble when there's any inkling of pressure. There's a very unflattering meme doing the rounds of VVD oh, yeah. just going surfing so <laughs> I remember I remember a better period in life where no one could get past VVD and that was a meme now it's every week pre-ACL so, isn't it? pre-ACL yeah facts so Sad. mixed feelings from mine but yeah Tottenham just a worrying trend from them but there were some encouraging signs but they also still lost so I don't know how much you can take from that but it did look like it was going to be about 7-0 at one point so the weird thing is, is that arguably Tottenham were better during this game. I mean, they hit, oh, the, they hit the woodwork yeah. like three times. They should have scored, you know, at least three in that first half. It's just bizarre, isn't it? It's a very bizarre team. And I think this is a game, that, as you rightly mentioned, has just showcased the worst of these two teams and the deficiencies that they're currently afflicted by. For Liverpool, it's almost like they've kind of they've given up defensive solidity. To, in the pursuit of scoring goals and they're just going back to kind of the first era the first part of, of Klopp's era where it was just like four threes you know just attack don't defend it's just reverted I feel like Trent yeah. in this new midfield role has something to do with that and he's he's fantastic in the midfield role but 
haven't figured out how to plug the right hand side, which is where they got. Nah, from. we have not. But you know what? I think we've we finally decided if we're going to be shit and concede goals, we might as well have fun doing it. Amen. And you are right. We've gone all the way back to chapter one of the Klopp, the Klopp era now, where we were a bit shit, but we scored goals. And you know what? We almost won the Europa League playing like that. So I guess we'll find out how it goes next season if we get in the Europa League. Um, but yeah, I like Trent at this midfield role. I am acclimatising to the fact that sometimes he's just in the middle left of the pitch, which is just a very strange sight that him and Robson are like next to each other. It's quite odd because he's he's like fully gone rogue now. It's not like he's just hanging out on the right. He's literally, hey. he, he's just a free form register now. He does whatever he wants and he just sprays passes and he looks great. He does look great. Another assist as well, I note. And let's be fair, since the 2-2 result against Arsenal, where he, we first trialled this in the second half, four wins on the bounce mm-hmm. for Liverpool. So maybe there's something in that. But, you know, there's a lot more to this game than the scoreline. It's one of them games. It just wasn't accurate. I had Tottenham down maybe 5-4 five, five, on XG, which is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably fair, to be honest. I don't think Liverpool actually did a lot, bar the initial blitz. It was a proper throwback, wasn't it? We'll just blitz them early and then we'll just hope for the best. Yeah, it was almost, you didn't really know what to do three and a half at 20 minutes. It happens. No. It happens. You know, how do you maintain that level of, that level? But I mean, Tottenham made it so easy because they just, they were rubbish. And they are rubbish. Defensively, I've never seen such a loose team. <laughs> they are so awful. Bad. But like, end of the day, this is like with Man United and Harry Maguire. Once they realise Eric Dyer is really bad at football, they'll just look back at this and go, I can't believe we played him for eight seasons. You know, I can't believe we invested so we invested our Harry Kane years with the backline of Eric Dyer being pretty present throughout. It's just not good enough. It's mm. embarrassing. Inclined so. to agree. Eric Dyer was trash in this game. But Ramiro was also trash in this game, and it's it's quite hard to pinpoint Dyer because all of them were rubbish. Um mm-hmm. but as time is of the essence and so many games to cover, let's go on to the controversy. The red cards. Oliver Skip was involved in both of these potential red cards. Now the first one. Perpetrator turned victim. Stamp? Stamp on his shin? Is that fair to say? Do you know what? As a Liverpool fan, I was like, get rid of him. He's got to go. (laughs) Only because it's Diaz's first game back from quite a serious injury. And watching like a challenge like that going on him, and I thought, oh my days, he's out already. I feel that I feel both challenges, the slow mo made it look far worse than it was in real time, which tends to be the way. But the first one, there was a genuine attempt to play the ball. I think it's just a very badly timed challenge, and you could warrant a red in different circumstances. I think the, it's, the time it's orange, happen, isn't it? It's an orange card where, yeah, in in Champions League, it's probably a red. In the Premier League, I think if it happened later in the game, then maybe there's more chance of it being a red. But I think that early, I think the referee was like, I can't, I can't send him off because it's gonna, you know, ruin the ruin the whole game. It's just gonna get temp- yeah. tempers are flaring at that point already. You know, it was a feisty game. Now, the second one, Yotta on skip, I have to say, with my non-Tottenham and certainly non-Liverpool hat on, it's definitely a red. <laughs> it's definitely a red. <laughs> it just is. When I, I, initially, when I initially saw it, right, I was watching it with my housemates, a Spurs fan. I was like, <laughs> nah, 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 nah. I thought skip had leant down, which made it... Skip didn't barely lower his head. Jota's just gone fully in and just clapped him in the face. And if that's not a red card, I just, I don't know what it is. But maybe there is the whole feeling of, well, we gave we gave Spurs a, a let off. So maybe this is the let off as well. Could have been a red card. Look, how tall is Oliver Skip is the only question 
I think. How tall's Yotta? <laughs> Who knows? Who can honestly say? I reckon Yotta's smaller. <laughs> that might be the case, but Yotta might have really long legs. You know, there's, there's too many variables here to go into it, and we don't have enough time. Yeah. All I'm the saying point is, is, I think if you gave one a yellow, you give the other a yellow. But on another day, both would be red. Yeah. I do feel like we got away with that a little bit. And for him to then score the winner is classic, hilarious <laughs> and entirely predictable. And I'm not really sure why Jurgen Klopp's got so much anger towards Paul Tierney. Oh, mind, he, he has let us off that. They've got history. Admittedly, Paul Tierney doesn't seem like a great referee. And there have been some controversial calls, but it's not just him, mate. It's every single referee in England making some dodgy calls. So mm. I don't know. Well, like let's Jürgen talk Klopp, about mate. it. Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'd be slagging off Arteta right now if he was uh, doing what Jurgen Klopp did. So we're going up to the fourth official, celebrating his face in January, just being a massive knobhead. Total knobhead. So I have to say, I'm this season, my not impressed. I used to love Klopp, but I really don't like him anymore. That was just, just completely arrogant. I was so misplaced. Like, what on earth has the fourth official done to warrant that? <laughs> I just I don't know. No, I have no idea. No idea. Yeah, it's it's in bad taste. It's in really bad taste. And then he did the Jürgen, whole. Mate, he's he's in a, in a salty phase in his life now, isn't he? He's proper salty. He's proper salty. It's not fun. He used to be kind of charismatic and cool, and you know. I think Matt, Man City have they've beaten him I think psychologically so. as well. I think so. He just he's just he's just upset now. He's regretful of all those finals and all those like ninety plus point seasons and the lack of trophies overall. I think it's just got to him. You know, he's put everything into it and it's never yeah. been quite enough. It's no excuses. It was a knobhead move, but we move on to a different knobhead because we're running out of time. Charleston scores his first goal of the season. Classic. We knew it was coming. Took his shirt off. Classic. Wasn't offside. Not even sure. I'm not even sure. Not even sure he scored it, to be honest. No, no. Me neither, but a goal's a goal. It was given to him. Scenes in the Tottenham away end. Shirt was off. The chicken dance was on Richarlison. Two minutes later, Lucas Moura gives it away in his own half. Guess who latches onto it? The red card perpetrator slots it in. 4-3 Liverpool. It's happened Poetic. again. It's happened Poetic again. Poetic justice. Richarlison is actually, he's got to go. He's cursed. He actually is he's cursed. He's got to go. Doesn't matter when he scores. He, yeah. Even when he scores and it's not offside, it's immediately balanced out. Yeah. No. So, oh, I love it. the most Spursy end to the most Spursy game. And I think Ryan Mason has some reason to be aggrieved. But all in all... You win some, you lose some, and if you're Tottenham, you lose many. And that is that for that. Brighton and home six, Wolverhampton Wanderers nil. Wow, they got spanked, didn't they? <laughs> they got absolutely battered, mate. What on earth is this? <laughs> I really thought there'd be a fall-off from the FA Cup semi-final, which seemed very draining for Brighton. And mm-hmm. then they lost to Forest in the game after, and they've lost some key players. So, fearing the worst, but maybe Wolves is the team to play at the moment, who are firmly I don't know in the table. Yeah. I just don't understand this game. I actually don't understand this game. It's actually, it's too much. This is actually too much Brighton for me now. It's too unbelievable. I'm I'm just, I'm not having it anymore. This is not real. Because there's no way, right? There's no way with McAllister and Matoma on the bench that they win 6-0. Oh, I know. And Undav. Undav's been pretty rubbish yeah. from the scraps that he's had. First goal and his second goal. Second goal. Brilliant. Unbelievable. Brilliant. Welbeck with a brace. I'm sorry, but this is not real. This is actually a joke. Like this, this should be the only way that this makes sense is if they win two nil with an xG of six. There's no way they can win six nil 
probably within next year, like four, realistically. Mm, they were just I'm, so I'm dominant. I That's... unpopular opinion, or maybe more of a popular opinion, but Brighton play the best football in the league. And we're going to come on to City, because I've got a lot to say about the City game, and there's some similarities there. But I think that Deserby's brand of footballs is actually the most exciting. It's so cavalier, it, isn't it? It's so good. Mm. It's actually so good. Because I love it. Because it's like it's not principled to one specific thing either. It's just, we'll play it along the floor, we'll play it down the wing, we'll play it over the top. We don't, we don't really care. It's very situational in that they'll just evaluate what's the best thing to do, where should we set the traps, and they just mix it up all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's honestly so good. And like there was one goal where they just kept playing it between two players just back and forth like that until someone ran and then they just went over the top as yeah. soon as they're out of position they're like yep yeah, cheers it's almost like a cheat like, code you know like people do it on FIFA don't they to waste time it's actually that tactic yeah. you know yeah 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 it, it must be so frustrating to play against and then pass it out so yeah it's banging it's so effective and life without Matoma doesn't look too bad does it and CISO came in playing on that left hand side just two assists after his rocket against Chelsea it's a bit like they've done it again. The contingency plan is already there. They're bedding him in now, letting him learn the position. Ship Matoma out next summer for a hefty fee. It's too good. It's actually too good. It's too much. I mean, it's yeah. not. I think life, life after Matoma is a bit. It's a bit premature. He only got rested, mate. Nah, life about Matoma. God. Someone's going to poach him in the next twelve months or thirteen months. And they'll be fine. They'll get better because that's what they do, mate. They lose players, they lose managers, and they just get better every time. Mm. They ridiculous. are. I don't see too much trust to, to adequately replace manager and players. Um, and yeah, the season is just a real testament to them. I really hope that they get European football this year. Yeah, I'd actually be very happy to see them get Europa League. Like they would appreciate it much more than Liverpool or Spurs. Maybe not more than Unai Emery potentially. But he's had enough fun in that competition. I'd just love to see how far they can actually go. Because I would put them down as one of the favourites based on current form. But who honestly knows? Mm, I mean, it's going to be a very tense run and they've got quite a hard one as well. So keep keep watching. Mm. There's a lot to play for in this top seven, top eight race. Is there anything else you want to speak about, my friend? So I think I think we should give a shout out to Pascal Gross as well because he got two goals in this game. One of them was an absolute belter of a volley, and he's just really interesting, isn't he, as a player? Because in another era, he's a great squad player for someone in the Champions League, and he's just he's just there. He's versatile. He's technical. He's good. He works hard. We bring him on. We rotate him, just like Trossard. Basically, mm. he's just that player again. Where you're like, he would fit in nicely in most squads in the Champions League, not necessarily starting, but just filling filling gaps, seeing games out you know being a rotational option and he's probably missed that opportunity now but I just think he's just a really good player and I'm a big fan of anyone who can score two wicked goals and then play right back seamlessly the next game he it's is rare, the original utility man but yeah I think he's, 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 he's the signs. modern the modern James Milner isn't he he's the James Milner for people like Pep Guardiola you know the technical James yeah. Milner yeah I mean, he's just signed a new contract as well. So well-deserved. Their longest-serving player, apart from Lewis Dunk now. Quick word on Wolves. Rubbish. That's the Gash. word. Crystal Palace 4. West Ham United 3. <laughs> no, joking. Wolves are bad, though. They are bad, <laughs> aren't they? <laughs> Mate, I, I, nothing more, more needs to be said. Yeah, I should have just left it there. Really. They got 37 points. 
they're fine. Exactly. They're in that kind of maybe one of one of four or five teams who really don't have much to play for at this point. So you can understand why their foot's off the gas. Maybe the Brentford effect. Um, but yeah, rubbish, 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 and a lot of work for them in the summer with a very disjointed squad. Need a scorer. Right, Crystal Palace four, West Ham United three. God, <laughs> God, mate. There's so many good games this weekend. Bro. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the fixtures are a bit dull. And like we, at, listener, we did we did kind of skip the midweek stuff. It's too many games, mate. Did you know, listener? Thanks to uh, the way that the TV mafia work in the UK, we have football every single night for 11, 11 days in a row now. Beautiful. We're about halfway through. It's crazy. Music it's to my ears. Carnage. It's all on fucking BT. Shit. It's on BT. It's on Sky. It's on Amazon. It's on fucking Hulu. Who knows, mate? It's a joke. That's another pod, though. Anyway, uh, I don't think this result makes sense either. I'm convinced none of this football is real anymore. Because this is Roy Hodgson versus David Moyes, and it's like the best game of the weekend, potentially. Just so good. And I don't understand it again. I think my okay. I'm gonna try and try Mate, and do your best. Work this Go, out. Do your best. I'm gonna try and work this out. David Moyes doesn't give a shit anymore, and Roy is just having the time of his life. Roy doesn't want to go home. He wants a one-year contract, and David Moyes just doesn't care anymore. He just doesn't care. He's over it. He knows he's getting the boot in the summer. Realistically, he doesn't care. That's the only way this makes sense. You just got an agenda against Moyes. I do, and you know what? If I've learned anything from social media, you need to double down, despite evidence proving that you're wrong. You have to double down on things. Yep, fair. You get a small but staunch following from that. That is fair. That is fair. I think that's a bit harsh, though. I mean, 4 3, they were in this game. They were in this game. And I feel that on another day, they probably could have won it. But the zest of Crystal Palace's front four is finally coming too to zesty. life. It's just too zesty, mate. Too much excitement, too much flair against, as you say, Moisey is known for a very stoic kind of football. Uh, none more really epitomised than Suchek. Goal, assist and a yellow card. And culpable for a very massive miss. How's he missed that? I don't know. Yeah, weird player. You think about Suchek, you think he's good. But actually, I think West Ham fans would probably say he hasn't actually done much this season. He's been living off that, that debut season a couple of years Arguably, ago. I think West Ham's that, say that more about him. I think where's the whole squad yeah. Also fair. But yeah, he's living off that FPL where he was getting loads of points and he was really cheap. He's living on that. Because mm. yeah, it is incredible. His who score rating was 7.8. 7.08. Which, with a goal and an assist, takes some doing. Because that puts you around about sort of, set, what, 8, I reckon? Ish? So he's done very well to bring that down. It shows just how bad he actually was apart from those moments. Mm. Weird guy. Weird guy. And I think you're right. He did have that breakout seat for, what, six months, really? It's come in January, didn't mm-hmm. he, a couple of years ago? But not yeah, a lot yeah, yeah. since. And the same could be said for Kufal, his compatriot from the Czech Republic. Now, Palace, 40 points. They've done it. Four wins and They've six. Completely justified, isn't it? Completely justified. Mental. Patty who, mate? I've no, never heard of him. I know. Roy, realistically, is this the best football that Crystal Palace have ever played in the Premier League? I know it's only been like six games, but they've scored so many goals now. And it's so fun. They're the most fun team in the Premier League right now, realistically. The critic in me says that maybe Roy is fortunate of the fixtures that he's come in for, which was highlighted when Patty V just got the kick in that 
they've just gone through maybe the hardest patch, but it's still not taken away from his work. He's obviously come in, rallied the whole squad, and yeah, they're scoring mm-hmm. for fun. Scoring for fun. And they're taking points. Can you believe that they're a point ahead of Chelsea now? <laughs> oh, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I'm so here for it. So here for it. Hilarious. Actually hilarious. Um, here's a random quirk. Seven goals, all different goal scorers. Only two assists, apparently. Which shows how much people were just robbing the ball or it was just a bit of pinball, basically. So I think it was just a scrappy game, a weird game. But do you want to talk about the penalty? Does anyone care about the penalty at this point? Oh, you know, I'm sick of controversial penalties. Was it a penalty? Probably not. But once it's given, the will only overturn if it's a clear and obvious error, as you pointed out there. So yeah, Let's just clip that up. Let's just clip that up right there. Every time there's a contentious penalty... Just say it is what it is, basically. Yeah. You, all you've got to say is the referees said yes or the referee said no because there's not much more thinking than that. And no. as, as a referee, the referee standards stink. Mic them up, all right, and hold them accountable for some of the shit that is going on. But anyway, speaking of shit, <laughs> AFC Bournemouth 4, Leeds United 1. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, Leeds fans, but can you think of another word to describe how bad you've been these last three games? It's so bad. I mean, the fact that Grassi's future is in doubt after this result is completely justified as well, by the way. Says it all. What a dead appointment. So, yes, shit. I said it. I'm doubling down. (laughs) Oh, you're right. I think, I don't think there's any Leeds fans who would disagree. If anything, they'd probably be more savage than that. They are absolute dog. They are dog. They are dog and they are primed to go down if they play like this, man. Yeah. They have broken a record, though. They've broken a record. The most goals ever conceded in one month. 23 (laughs) this month. Well, in April. That takes some serious doing, mate. Oh, cringe. (laughs) 23 goals. That's so bad. That's so bad. The best ever season was Chelsea, 0405. 15 goals they conceded across an entire oh, season. Come on, Leeds man. have conceded 23 in one month. It's not fair. Imagine that over a season. It's not fair. You can't make comparisons to Mourinho's Chelsea like that. It's oh, no, rough. but I'm just showing the two ends of the spectrum. It really is something special. Oh, it's 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 woeful. And it's quite sad to see how how quick they've fallen apart post-Bielsa. Before that, yeah. Leeds' return was heralded. And I don't think anyone can really argue that they it's, it's better for the league to have Leeds in them. It's one of them teams, isn't it? It's like Villa and Sunderland. You'd just rather have them in the Premier League than not. Yeah, but without Bielsa, I'm just not that bothered like I was. No, that's what not, they've lost. Not that bothered that, anymore. A bit like Chelsea. They've lost, they've lost their essence, haven't they? Exactly. Yeah. They don't know what direction to go in anymore. They just know they probably they probably wish they didn't have to make this change in general. They're still trying to work out what happened. Mm. And that's the thing, again, what have we said all season? Leeds played well, had more shots, were positive, looked on top. Then just got battered. Yeah, like they just—it's just like rinse repeat, and they look quite promising, but they always lose or they always don't get the results they deserve. So you have to look at the broader trend. They play nice football and they get banged, and that's not great. We've got squads really consisting of two managers now: half Jesse Marsh, half Bielsa. Still, aging players like Luke Ayling who just aren't up to it and not adequately replaced. I mean, we touched on their signings in January. Dog, absolute dog. But we don't need to go through again. Terrible. We just yeah. don't need to. But if they get relegated this season alongside Leicester or Everton, it's out of them three now. Forrest are in there too. But at least Forrest are showing a bit of fight. You know, a little bit yeah. of something. Barely, but yeah. 
sat those two really oh, there's so many teams who deserve to go down at this point mm. some of them will just get lucky that they were just a little bit less shit but you're all shit down there at this point I'm afraid to say well however yes enough about that they're not all shit Bournemouth because one team has risen like a phoenix mate from the dead they've won four of their last games four of their last five games mate Bournemouth and they went from relegation favourites to safe. I think they're safe now. They've got, what, 39 points? Yeah, they're safe. They're safe. They are so safe. Do you think so they're safe. Like 27 to 39 points in like three weeks, basically, because of the condensed fixtures? That is crazy. They deserve what this. What an escape. They deserve this. And here's my favourite stat of the weekend, listener. Obviously, Chelsea, for some reason, not play again. But they don't, they don't escape the pod. They don't escape the pod. Bournemouth's wage bill is 80% lower than Chelsea's and they have the same number of points at this point in the season. Mm, of course, I'm looking at this table. What's more shocking is that Brighton are below Bournemouth in terms of their total salary estimate. That's nuts. Yeah, Brighton and Brentford do come last in this equation. I don't understand anymore. God damn. But yeah, Bournemouth, Gary Neal, don't really need to say it again, but you're playing in Premier League standards and... You know, since that Arsenal 3-2, they've been hot, you know? They've picked up results against Liverpool. Mm-hmm. They've well, they've picked up results full stop. And, you know, a 4-1 win yeah, against that, supposed that. relegation rivals. It didn't seem like that watching the game, did it, really? No, it was just a comfortable thumping, really. Mm. And I think, yeah, credit to them, because Leeds have all the advantages. They've been in the Premier League longer. They've spent more money. They're a bigger club. They've just got more money. They've supposedly got the know-how. And yeah, they just got absolutely outclassed by Bournemouth, who just are better than them in every way, it seems, right now. They just bought better players, they bought smarter players, and they play better football. And they actually look like they want to survive. And yeah, they they have survived. And I'm going to give a shout-out to Jefferson Lerma, because he got two goals. And I feel like that will probably never happen again, so he's got to enjoy the moment. He was actually a very expensive signing for them. Do you remember him? Back in 2018. He's bought for 25 mil from, I think, like Levante, maybe. And he's been all the way down to Championship with Bournemouth. He's come back up at 28. He's a hit in the prime now. And I quite like that as a story. Didn't jump ship, you know. When when the going got tough, he just got going. And he helped to bring them back up. Not so. that fucking salary. No way. No, no way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Is he on a lot? Of, is he on a lot? He will be. Just because he's a prem. Yeah, 30, mm. 30 million euros. Damn, boy. But yeah, well done, Bournemouth. With your sad little lives, you're going to stay up with your little shed stadium, you little bastards. I see how it is. I don't know why I, I don't know why I appreciate that. There's absolutely no need for that. Uh, I just resent the fact that they haven't got a bigger stadium, and that smacks of insecurity for me, I know. But still, it's the <laughs> Premier League. It's the Premier League, guys. Come on. Just add like 5,000 yeah. more. You can't have 10,000, mate. Although if Luton come up, then I'll, I'll, I'll hold that L and be humbled. For sure. Yeah, the one thing about their stadium, I do find it quite jarring that there are just topless men just passed all over one of the stands. I just find it a bit odd. This is English football, mate. This is this is football heritage. What else did you expect? Anyway, I was going to move on to the City doubleheader, but actually I'd like to invest a bit of time in that. So we'll do that after the break, and it also means you have to stay till after the break. So we're going to move on. Newcastle 3, Southampton 1, low-key, easy win. Newcastle King, Newcastle Elite Top four is yeah. confirmed in all but pretty much, yeah. Mathematical possibility. And Southampton also confirmed going down. Apart from mathematical possibility. You have summed up very nicely, mate. 
Thank you. Both teams know exactly where they are now for next season. Mm-hmm. And I got a bit excited because I thought Southampton were going to win at no. one point because they were 1-0 up. No. But obviously that was me putting my Liverpool rose-tinted glasses on and the ruthless Saudi oil machine rubbed yeah. into gear Honestly. and just churned out goals. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, you know, some, some money was exchanged at half-time and suddenly you yeah. on top for the second half. So, uh... Don't kill me. Don't kill me, Saudi consulate. Don't kill me. (laughs) Southampton are just so rubbish. Oh my God. They actually play quite well. That's the annoying part. Yeah, how many times have you said that? They actually played quite well. Yeah, they're just. Look, honestly, it sounds really simplistic, but not having a proper striker has ruined so many teams this season. Southampton, Everton, even like Chelsea. Just not having a proper striker is. Do you know why that is, though? Because right, the there's not many. The football experts are trying to tell us that we've moved on from the traditional number nine. Load of tosh. It's not true. It's not true. All right. Everyone's just looking for the new fad. Everyone wants a new fucking false nine. All right. Bring yeah. back the big man. Look at Brian Ferguson. Look, exactly. But also, look at Liverpool City. Two best teams in the world last season. What do they do? They went big on strikers. Obviously, they you know didn't work out exactly as planned for one of those strikers. But still. It's true. They were bucking the trend of false nines. and they Why hasn't Haaland scored more? It's a joke. More on that after the break, listener. Love that. See you then. Um, but yeah, Southampton, four games left. They need, realistically, four wins. And they're not going to get that. So, see you later. The real question is, where does Lavia and Bellum Kotschap go? Oh, I'd love Lavia as a little backup. I know we've got same. the problem online. And you can argue that the profile is exactly the same. But I'd take Lavia over him. I don't know if that's just because he doesn't play for us. I do feel like everyone's been skewed by Chelsea trying to buy him for 50 mil. And now we've seen how Chelsea's played out. That might mean he's actually very, very average. It doesn't mean anything. It meant a lot more at the start of the season. I thought, ooh, that's one to watch now. If City have inserted a buyback clause, they've at least recognised some potential in him. Yeah, to be fair, City's academy players who have left, like Sancho, Pedro Porro and others, they're all pretty handy. So, I mean, who's that other fella? Aston Villa, the midfielder. He came from City as well. He's oh, pretty good. Louise. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, player. good player. Yeah. So, don't know. Come to Liverpool. Come to Liverpool, lads. We like buying from Southampton. And Callum Wilson has got a new record. So many records being broken this month. The most goals in a month for Newcastle. Eight. <laughs> That great records that everyone wanted. You know what? Been these dead records. No one cares. No one cares. No, <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> no one cares. However, eight goals in a month is pretty good. You know, it's got on the I, radar. I didn't even know that, bro. Nah, because I thought this month was all about Alexander Isaac. So God knows where this is. I think Callum's been coming on in like the seventieth and just getting tapping, which is exactly what, just, what he's what he's good at. It's just fun. He's like a Raheem, isn't it? Yeah, just... I like it. They're they're pushing each other to new levels. You know, there's healthy competition between those two to be the starting striker. And I think we both that. know. Yeah. yeah, we both know who's going to win. But gotcha. he's making a good effort of you know staking his claim as Callum Wilson. Yeah, we should have also so... probably mentioned Isaac during against Everton in the week, but we won't. And we won't because we're going to a break. Uh, we're going to a break. So we'll see you then.
welcome back to From the Backseat. So we're, we're going back in time again. We do this sometimes. And we're going back to Wednesday, where Arsenal visited the Etihad. Pretty much already defeated, let's be honest. And that is unfortunately how it played out. But because it was such a monumental game, we feel like we should just talk about it a bit more before we get on to the less important game, which was Fulham, Man City. So Man City 4, Arsenal 1. Hugh, talk to me. Sure. Um Thanks very much for listening, guys. We're going to see you next week. Uh, we're just not going to talk about any of it. No, no. no. And we're going um, to another break. <laughs> when we're back, special, special fucking host coming in. I don't want to talk about this shit. Um, okay, so let's just talk about the build-up to that day. I woke up. I checked for Salibra updates I have done for the past six weeks. Not looking good. Okay, fine. Then I visualised it. Holding versus Harland. Holding versus Haaland. Holding versus Haaland. 4-1 City. I put it out. I put it out. 4-1 City, I said, at 7.30. Because I knew we were going to get roasted. I knew it. We were going to get roasted. What was the final score? 4 fucking one. Guess who scores the fourth goal in the 94th minute? Fucking Haaland. It's a joke. It's a joke and we're so bad. But no, let's try and take this seriously. It was just bad from the start, mate. I mean, they they, mm. they hit the... I think they hit the post. No, they didn't. It was just like a... They were all over us from the, from the first whistle. When we almost yeah. gave away a penalty, which, you know, I'm surprised it wasn't given, to be honest, the way that it's been with the referees. Fine. That should have been a wake-up call. No, it wasn't. Guess what the first goal came from? Holding versus fucking Haaland, right? Ball comes out. We were playing high line. He just bullies him. Don't let him bully your son. Right, he just bullies him. Just bullies him, right? Holds the ball. Holds holding at the same time and plays a delicious through ball for De Bruyne, who just runs mm-hmm. onto it. And it's just, it's just the kind of finish that just hurts. It just hurts because it's so clinical. Well, how do you how do you stop that? <laughs> you, you know, it just set the precedent. It. it set the precedent that goal, and I think heads dropped from the seventh minute, which is unforgivable in a title race. And I don't think any Arsenal fan thought we'd actually come away with a result here, but it would have been nice to have put up a bit of a fight. Just mm-hmm. anything, anything. So many big players for us went missing: Jesus, Zinchenko. Saka, Martinelli, and you know what? I was I referenced it earlier when I said Bryant have played the best football this year, and it was very, very obvious to the eye that Edison was holding on to the ball for as long as possible. The, the defenders were holding on to the ball for as long as possible. John Stones was deployed in that kind of roaming role mm-hmm. so that he could. Oh, mate, I mean, they just set themselves up perfectly. And Pep, you know, I think credit to Pep that at the top of his game he still recognises when something will actually benefit his team. And he's looked at the Zerbi's tactics and he's obviously implementing them because they've done it against Fulham as well, which is drawing the players out and then playing through the press. And this is pretty much where all their goals came from. So we were outmanned, outfought and outfought. And it's a very sad day because I really do think coupled with the Fulham result that City have got, that is GG's. That is game over for the title race for us lot. Mm-hmm. I've got to live with that. I've got to hold the L. And you just got to hand it over to a team that are way superior to us right now. Yeah. I think that's a fair assessment, yeah. Fortunately, they just looked so much better than you. But you lost the title three weeks ago, two weeks ago, one week ago. We lost to Southampton, we lost to West Ham, and we lost at Liverpool. Do you know what I mean? They were the games that actually decided the title, not this That's where you lost the title. This was just more like a formality at this point. This was just a cherry on the cake. You're always going to lose this game, realistically. So, yeah, you look at the form table, one win in five. That's really, really unfortunate timing. Didn't realise how important Saliba might just be to this Arsenal team until you see what Rob Holding's got. I'd like to make one observation. Arsenal, I believe, spent 30 mil on a centre-back in January. 21. 21. 
there's a there's an easy explanation for what you're about to ask. Why is he not in for holding? Because we Arteta is desperate to play right foot centre back at right centre back and left foot centre back at left centre back, and Kiria is a replacement for Gabriel. Holding supposedly a backup for Saliba, okay. but it's, it's not good enough. That's fine. That makes some sense, but also Rob Holding is well short of anything. We just really. don't have any options, really. I mean, I would have liked to have seen maybe Ben White return, but then who do you play at right back? Because Tommy Asu's out. So it's just, I think those injuries against Sporting at the time felt significant, and you know, the reality is, is they were way worse than I ever anticipated. Um, yeah, and we we said it all season. Is if, if a key player goes out, that would be the real test. Because up until that game against Sporting. Hadn't really, apart from Gabby Jesus, didn't really have anyone significant out for a long period. So, yeah, very, very true. You were riding a perfect storm, and it's all just fallen apart a bit right at the end. Bit of a shame, really, but just inevitable. The inevitable machine that is Man City just rolls on. Um, thank you, Hugh. Thanks for that, mate. No worries. Mate. I know that wasn't very enjoyable for you, but you can relax now. Champions League football next season. Yeah, nothing else to play for. Just enjoy some nice football. You're going to smash the next game, whoever it is. Oh, it's Chelsea. You're going to smash yeah, Chelsea, mate, no, tomorrow. I, I know, I know. Can't wait to see Aubameyang cry. Then you can Frank just enjoy Lampard that. Sacked. Well, I hope so, but if we lose to Chelsea, I, I might actually quit the pod. If you lose to Chelsea, we're going to have to get Joe back on. To be honest, we should get Joe back on, because um, I'd love to know how he feels about Chelsea spending now. And uh, Todd, but He was so excited when Todd Bailey took over. He was. Yeah, he was. There's a lot of research on that. So it'd be interesting to see how he feels now about the project. But anyway, enough about Chelsea. We'll talk about them in due course, which isn't this pod. Let's talk about Fulham City, who actually put up more of a fight at Craven Cottage. Um, mm-hmm. More of the same from Pep's men, guarding the ball, holding the ball, and then playing through. And at first, you know, two minutes in, penalty to Haaland. Here we go. Here we go. That hope was nice for two minutes. This this, this league is ruined. <laughs> That's how it felt. The league is ruined. But <laughs> the league look. is ruined. Let's let's get one thing clear, Hugh. On the last pod, or the pod before, you said Mares was the designated penalty taker. In this game, Mares got fouled, so he's on the pitch, and Harlan no, took the penalty. Let me tell you now, what was this? Why was this goal significant for Harlan? Doesn't matter. That's not how City operate, mate. No sentimentality in the machine. Mm. Mm. I think. I mean, yeah, good observation and. Uh, I see what you're trying to do here. I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to test my ball knowledge. But let me tell you, it was because it was his 50th. A significant, significant goal. I'm um, going to need to see the source of that information. Otherwise, I'm not having it. Well, it's obvious, mate. I mean, what do you want to do? Get a direct line to Riyad Mahrez and ask him? Like, yes, please. <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you could just tweet him and find out, that would be great. Tell him we got a bet. I'll DM him. I'll DM him. Look. Riyad replaces Erling Haaland as Man City football penalty taker 22nd of April 2023. That's old news, mate. That's a week old. Oh, wait, to be fair, Erling ha- Pep Guardiola is a sister Erling Haaland as Manchester City's main penalty taker, despite Mahrez netting from the spot against Villa. Well, well, Turns well. out that Google might have conflicting opinions, and that is why everyone is going to move to Bing with their chat GPT automated search engines. Well done, Bing. Google. Your time has come in the sun. Anyway, we've meandered onto nothing. Let's talk about Haaland. 50 goals yeah. this season. He's broken Salah's record. No, 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 no. Uh, it was inevitable. Oh. I think everyone made peace of it in about October, realistically. It's not news anymore. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, he's equal Dixie Dean's record set in 1930s when football looks very different. Very, that. very different indeed. It's actually mad that. 
that's actually crazy because yeah. if you break it down, that means this is the best season any striker's ever had. Better than anything exactly Henri right. did. Shearer. Better than anything Shearer Andy did. Cole, anything. Sheringham, this is by far, we're witnessing the greatest striker of all time in the Premier League. Yeah, it is like a Viking raid on the shore of England, isn't it? Yeah, he's equal the Premier League goal record from from the bigger, from the bigger thing. I think thirty four Premier League goals, fifty goals overall. He's got to be looking at sixty goals overall and forty Premier League goals realistically now. And I feel like we might have underappreciated him. We used to say Mbappe was definitely better, but now I'm like, is he actually the best player in the world? It's hard, isn't it? Because Mbappe has just been in that dead league for so long that it's hard. It's hard to make the comparison. We need to see Mbappe step up, you know? Yeah, but right now, apart from maybe KDB, I can't think of anyone who's better than Haaland. He's just so bloody reliable. I don't really remember him having a bad game, really. There's games where he doesn't really get involved, but that's more, there's no service. I don't remember him ever really having an off day. He's an early goal scorer, and you know, he can provide assists that he showed against Arsenal, but is he the complete player that Pep looks for? No. I think we need to see him in two years' time and see where he is then. Because he's got levels to go up still. That's the scary thing. No one can doubt the goal scoring prowess, but is he the complete player he could be? I don't think he is, but he could be. No, that's a scary thought as well, because he's the greatest goal scorer we've ever seen so far. Well, let's talk about another amazing goal scorer, Carlos (laughs) Vinicius. Oh, poor Carlos. <laughs> I don't think he's very good at football, but he scored a great goal. No, so. no. i tell you what, though. He's got a great celebration. I like the whole Batman kind of pose that he does. Is that what it was? I don't know. He, he did it at Tottenham when he scored against like a non-league team, which was hilarious at the time. And he's done it against, against City, but at least that's warranted. It was a good goal on the break. You know, was um, Harry goal, Wilson. Harry Wilson, kind of mate. Doing bits. Run. He's doing I mean, bits right now. It was just a little chest down, mate. You know, don't get too excited. But it was still a good goal. Listen, listen, mate. That takes that takes some doing, mate. With Ruben Diaz in your back to chest it down at a very odd angle. I'm not saying doing. it's bad, mate. I'm not saying it's bad, but you know, it's just like your Moyes agenda. I think you just got a little bit too much love for Harry Wilson. I honestly feel like he should have had a crack at Liverpool, and I regret that. <laughs> and he's putting up like goals and assists every game now. What's up with that? Why? Why didn't we just give him a try? You know. Anyway, whatever. Julian Alvarez, great goal. Another scorching long range shot. The best backup Oosh. striker in the world by a fucking mile. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what can you do when you look at City's team and they score goals like that? I mean, what can you do? <laughs> I don't know, but they only won two one. So lessons learned. He actually is an Aguero regen. That is so true. Arguably, he's, he's better. Scary. I wonder I how like... long. I wonder how long he'll be there before he gets a bit frustrated because he could easily go to like Real Madrid or anyone. He can go anywhere he wants. Oh yeah, Barca. You, can, you smell a bit of Barca about him. Um, yeah, he's fifteen goals this season, mostly from the bench. And he, he, you know, like they were considering loading him back out for another season before bringing him to the first team, and he's come into the, the squads in the summer last year and he's impressed Pep and everyone else and then suddenly he's won a World Cup and he's looking like an amazing striker in his own right and yeah it's just it's, it's, yeah whatever well done Julian Alvarez amazing goal well done City amazing team and yeah cool 
Title done? Title done. Title, title done. done. The title's done. Okay. I agree, unfortunately. After those collapses, there's just no way back, mate. You can make one mistake in City, but three and four. Yeah. That's fatal. Still take it. Second place. Oh, just, it's a great season. It's just, yeah. it's, you know, it's one of those things. It's better to go from third to second than first to second, ultimately. It's better to have never had a chance of winning it and finish second somehow than to be so close and drop. Nah, I don't know. It's been one hit of the season as an Arsenal fan. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't change a ride for a wild. No. You're back in, back in the big time, mate. Yeah. Back in the bloody big time. Right. Fuck off, then. Manchester United won on <coughs> Aston Villa nil. Crappy game. Pretty boring. Yeah, really quite dead. Yeah. I feel disappointed, but I've been thinking about it. I feel like Unai had a plan all along. And oh, yeah. here's here's my here's my thinking, right? Unai, did he want to beat a leggy, tired Manchester United team? No. Why would he want that? Because that True. might mean they would drop more points and he'd accidentally qualify for the Champions League. And that would be True. a nightmare. So what he's done is he's given them the confidence boost they needed without damaging the goal difference of Aston Villa to ensure mm-hmm. that he's in the prime position to attack the Europa League spot. I mean, it's all part of the bigger picture. It's all part of the market. It does build on the theory that we had a couple of weeks ago. So I wouldn't rule it out at this point. It was suspiciously lack of anything Unai, this performance from Villa. And I'd love to give Ten Hag the credit, but I can't because I actually think Unai's a better manager than Ten Hag. <laughs> I, I'd agree with that, mate. I definitely agree with that. I mean, they're both pretty good, but I don't think Eric Ten Hag would have done what Unai's done since he came in. And I'm pretty sure Unai would have done it at Man United. Also, Ollie Ollie Watkins didn't score again, mate. That's like two or three games without a goal now. I told you, the source is gone. It's over. It's gone to Diego Jota, who got the winner. Honestly, you've got such a a rational mind when it comes to football, but for you, it's like if they don't score in one game, it's like, it's over. It's over. Ollie Watkins <laughs> scored in about eight games in a row. It's now like three without a goal. Yeah, but I mean, you over. Know, that's exceptional. Whereas, no, know, no, no. If, if they don't, how score many goals has Almiron scored since he scored like eight games in a row? Huh? It's over. Yeah. Okay. Look, the source yeah, is over. Purple patch is a term for a reason. Where's Rashford but... now? It's over. Purple well, patch Rash- is over. Rashford scored last week against Tottenham. Like, what are you about? Everyone scores against Tottenham. That's too easy. It doesn't count. No, no, I'm not having this slander from Jack. Right, where's Darwin Nunes? Where was his hot streak? Did he ever score? He hasn't got started yet. <laughs> <laughs> Darwin, Darwin Nunes. From the big He's a very expensive super sub. We bring him yeah. on so he can chase balls around. So unfortunate. I'll tell you, he does score a lot of goals, annoyingly. Oh, I was about to call him that rat, but that's so harsh. His name's Bruno Fernandes, and the most disliked player in the league. Facts as well. That is, yeah. if you polled it, 90% of people would probably say Bruno Fernandes. I think so. There's, he's just got this aura about him. Mm. He's got that, likeable. That, that Suarez or Diego Costa bad, like mm. he's the villain. But Diego Costa, you know, it was almost like you admired how much of a brute he was. Yeah. And Suarez, you know, he had that devil in him that matches game plan whereas Bruno just seems to be 80% moaning and whinging and like even Sancho lovely Sancho's had enough of all this moaning so good this is the start of Jane Sancho's like redemption arc mate telling Bruno, Bruno Fernandez to stop moaning yeah this is it this yeah is he looked he look fed up he looked fed up and yeah he's finding say, his voice you know he's settling into Man United he's telling the captain 
shut up. Stop being a big baby. Like, he's growing into the role. I mean, he could have done... Do you ever see that famous clip during the pandemic where I think it was United Away versus Crystal Palace and Rashford just loses it with Maguire? And you can just... Because there's no crowds, you catch it all on camera. It's maybe one of the most entertaining clips I've ever seen. I do Rashford, remember that. Rashford just says, fuck off, you're not bad. Maguire! There's so oh. many rumours coming out of Man United now about Maguire. Like, there was that interview with... Um, what's his name? That angry centre-back they used to have. Oh, Rocco. Yeah, interview of him saying like he asked so many times to be played ahead of Maguire and the answer was he's cost too much money to drop. At least they're honest. I think you're some yeah. bullshit. Re- I mean, they probably couldn't have said like, oh, he's, he's performing at a high level. <laughs> no, there's nothing you can say really apart from... Can't really say he's, that. He's too expensive to drop, I'm afraid. I mean, was he playing this game? I'll be honest, I wasn't actually looking at the back. So... He might as well have been, mate. Villa had one shot on target all game, so... Tell you who is becoming a revelation. Statistically, statistically, that implies that Harry Maguire didn't play because that suggests they were very solid. Yeah, let's have a look. Yeah, it was the it was the pairing of Lindelof and Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw's left side centre back, who was brilliant against Tottenham. But he was all right. He was much better than Maguire. Imagine I mean, being centre back. Like five for eight. He's five for nine. Yeah, but you know what? They're both solid, and that's honestly better than just terrible. I know, but then what does it say about Harry Maguire? What does it he's, say? I mean, Southgate, are you watching Southgate? <laughs> he's you know definitely I mean? not. He's there. He's I not going to give this. Honestly, Harry's given so much to his squad in the past. Blah, blah, blah. It's just his leadership good, in the dressing room. All of that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's just a northern lad. You know, like, and he is a bit of a knobhead. It seems he is. The arrogance, the arrogance in him is is breathtaking at times. So yeah. You know, United top four, yeah. Nailed on. It's all. Look, you reckon think, nailed on? I think it's all done now. I think it's all it's you all reckon? wrapped up. It's t- look. If you look at United's form, it's the same as Liverpool's. Four wins and a draw in the last five. They're not actually crumbling at all, and they have quite a busy schedule. But mate, they're quite far ahead. I think so. Just looking at that table, they've got the game in hand on Liverpool as well. Yeah, so. they're a good seven points ahead with only five games to go. It'd be a hell of a collapse. You never know. United are prone to some fuck ups, but it, it should have started choke. against Villa. Yeah, if it, if they were going to choke, it should have started by now. So. It's a big choke. It's a big choke. If they, it's a big boo boo. I, I think it's all wrapped up, mate. Really, I think everything's sort of Top falling four. into place now. Top four's mm. done. Relegations sort of down to five candidates now. Three from five. Realistically, four from two. Southampton are done. Um, so let's talk about. One of those candidates, Brentford two, Nottingham Forest one. This is Ooh, so heartbreaking, so painful, such a wounder. Yeah. Like, for context, listener, in case you're not aware, Nottingham Forest have the worst away record in the Premier League by a lot. They've got about five points on the road this season. So to be away at Brentford, who are one of the best teams at home, and to be leading the game for 82 minutes, it's got to hurt when you don't get the win. But just to compound it. What do they do with the last kick of the game? They concede a second goal. And oh, they, they leave with no points. That point could prove absolutely invaluable at the end of the season. Because that would have put them yeah. into 16th above Leeds. Only by a point, but a point might be enough. Who honestly knows? I mean, look, let's just say it. The three points would have been absolutely brilliant. Three points lost for Forest absolutely is. Yeah, 100%. Um, I have to say, right, so eighty yeah 82 minutes they were leading. They make changes. They concede two. Mm. 
fitness, I get it. I get it. Would you? Why change it? Just, just soak it up. It's ten minutes. I'm sure professional football players can last an extra ten minutes. Maybe it's they're a very injured. fair question. Don't know, but it's, it's just one seems... of them. It's just one Mind of them, you, mate. It's a change. Ones, if they yeah. don't change and they concede, then you're like, why didn't they make changes? It's, yeah, you know, if you do, it, if you don't, isn't it? It's outcome based, isn't it? It's so true. That's so true. I'm just looking for reasons, though. I mean, really I don't know, mate. I mean. I hate, I hate to put the blame at someone who I think has been really good but Kayla Navas didn't have a good game this this game no, he, I'd say he was at fault for both goals realistically not solely yeah. him but certainly Tony's free kick I mean he got two good hands on it and just punched it straight into the inside of the post and then it came back off him and went in nine times out of ten that's an easy save you know no, and then, yeah beating it's near post by not, not the craziest shot in the world I think he didn't have a good game, unfortunately, which is a it's real harsh. shame. It's harsh to pinpoint him, though, because I think until now he's been overwhelmingly a good signing. Yes, he has gained them points, but in this game, it gave a very fine margins, mate, where there's tens of millions on the line, mate, not turning that first goal. But they can take the heart from it. Feel like Forest, good, good result against Brighton. They've got a very hard run in. I think they can take confidence, although it's a morale sapping defeat. I think they can take confidence say that they carry on playing like that they're giving themselves the best chance of staying up which is even last further stage of the season for them yeah that's fair I don't know I think I think they might be done but anyway Brentford 50 points such a nice number that's such a good achievement um, they are different to Brighton like they don't they have a B team It their football's different it's very like counter-attacking instead of like build up and then trap base and all of that but both clubs feel like they're going in positive directions and they're like they know what they're about you know they have an identity which is very cool for a team that again was in League One not that long ago Amen Amen I don't have much to add to be honest because I'll be honest lads I didn't watch the second half of this one so this is all conceptual from Hugh all very conceptual but love that love that it's conceptual um so let's just talk about tonight's game. By the time this comes out, this game may have already happened. But it's Leicester City Everton tonight. At the time recording, we're about fifty minutes away from kickoff. Probably the biggest game of the season for these two. I so go far. Leicester two one. Leicester two one. Yeah. Dice in the mud. Yeah. Calling it now. Mm, it's a proper six pointer because it is eighteenth versus nineteenth, and you feel like winner may actually take all in this game. Um, I'm contractually obligated to back Everton but I also think Leicester are going to win personally um, they just got that Dean Smith new manager bounce mate and they've actually won a game they just recently. got more creative output and Everton yeah. are not solid at the back so. they, yeah Everton don't seem to have their shit together at all front Dyche hasn't had enough time to sort out the defence and they truly truly are woeful so that leads on to question time we have a very exciting question from Senet. So thank you so much for the for the question. We love those. We love some more. So guys, keep sending them in and we'll be happy to answer them. So Jack, what is the question? So the question is, who do you think are going down this season and why? And mate, on, so mate, you obviously know, you know that we don't we don't try and make these predictions because they're always wrong. So <laughs> 
Ouch. I mean, straight off the bat, Southampton are going down because they have the least amount of points in their quarter. <laughs> so that's an easy win. Elementary. Elementary. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't see that one coming, did you? No. No. Obscure. And this is the home of hot takes, baby. It's basically two out of Leeds, Forest, City. Uh, not City. Oh, that'd be nice, but no. Leicester City <laughs> and Everton. Um, so, listen... Everton are 19th and they haven't won in quite a long time. You can do better than that. Look, Everton don't have a striker. Everton lost their best player, Anthony Gordon, in January. As we mentioned, Everton can't defend. It's simple math sometimes. They are going to go down. And it's going to be seismic for the club. I'm going to disagree with you. I believe in the Deitch. I believe in the process. I believe that... Nottingham Forest will go down because they are a mess and I just don't think they know what they're doing still and I think ultimately that that chaos will will just it will just manifest in four losses over the next few games and I also think Leeds are going to go down I believe that City Leicester City and Everton will pick up just enough points to push those two into the relegation zone that's how I feel I just feel like Leeds are just aimless mate I feel like you can't concede 23 goals in April and then suddenly bounce back and win a few games. I feel no, like they're just going to get absolutely Jack. trashed. You can't call Leeds aimless if you're going to say Everton are going to stay up. <laughs> I'm not having it. It's sure That's not. Just I can't, absolute I've invested, I've invested look, too much time look, and airtime into the dice. No, and I'm, look, uh, I can't. I can't you've now. shot yourself in the foot because you've posted the whole league's estimated total salaries, right? We're a Leeds 16th. Right, Everton, eight. <laughs> they have a fucking higher salary total than Newcastle. I mean, come exactly. on. I mean, come what on. that te- what that tells you is there's a lot of quality players in there. <laughs> there's a lot of you know good pros who, with the right leadership, could probably turn it around. Right, agree to disagree. We're running out of time. So fair enough, Semit. I hope that answered your question. <laughs> it's one of four. Yeah, based on the fact that they're the lowest four teams in. The <laughs> <laughs> And definitely Southampton because they are lost. That's the kind of insight you get on from the backseat. Obviously. You know, high quality stuff. Graham Sooners has stepped down from Sky. So guys, if you're listening, we're free. Most days. There is a vacuum so, that I think between me and Hugh, we could probably fill it. Because let's be honest, what has Graham really been contributing over the last few years apart from anger? Well, you know, like as we said, the straight white man has never been more fashionable. So it was a matter of time and... I bet the rest of the Sky commentary, apart from Mikey Richards, are sweating right now. Sweating. Mm-hmm. But all I say is, we need more Asian representation on TVs. Boom. I'm not just exactly. saying that because I'm jumping on the bandwagon to get us places. I'm not. I'm very passionate because when I sleep at night, the question I ask myself, <laughs> where are the Asians in the Sky <laughs> That's true. I look at that studio and I think, I can't relate to any of no. these people. I don't How can I enjoy the football Exactly, there is not an Asian <laughs> man in that studio? <laughs> exactly. 33% of the world is Asian, and yet 0% Zero. of Sky Sports is Asian. And not I even... will not rest until an Asian <laughs> man is in that studio. And I will cancel as many pundits as possible until we get yes. that started. So start the movement. Asians for Sky. That I doesn't agree. make sense. But yeah, Look. guys, parachutes in. There you Diversity. go. Look, two for one. You can pay us. 
you can pay us half of Sunes's salary each. Exactly. So you know why? You get two Asians, for one. Two for one. Asians love a two for one special. <laughs> exactly. We will grind. We are happy to negotiate. There you go. Sky, there you go. There you go. That's a great time to end. So again, Over to you. Over to you, Sky. Over to you, Sky. To your response. The ball's in your court. Thank you for listening, everyone. And if if you really you feel strongly about us, about Asia representation in the Sky Football Studio, you know what to do. Start trolling people on Twitter. Cool. Boom. Works every time. Every single time. And with that, we will be back, I think, in the weekend. It's another condensed week of football. So we'll find time for it at some point this week. We'll freestyle it, as always. Respect. Right. Peace and love. Follow the socials. Cheers, everyone.